Revival is not dependent upon bigger facilities, larger budgets, or even the number of people in the pews. But it is dependent on God showing up and filling the house of God with His glory. Today we'll talk about what happens when God comes to church with the pastor of one of the largest congregations in America. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. I express once more my gratitude for invitation, my joy to be in your midst, and my fervent prayers that Almighty God will confirm this nation and its people in the ways of justice, prosperity, and peace. God bless America! All right, that's Pope Benedict. He's in the United States. He's meeting with the president. He says, God bless America. Here's President Bush on why he's glad the Pope is here. We believe in religious liberty. We also believe that a love for freedom and a common moral law are written into every human heart and that these constitute the firm foundation on which any successful free society must be built. All right, later in the program, let's talk about the Pope's visit. And let's talk about something that people are afraid to talk about, Roman Catholics and Evangelicals, Roman Catholics and Baptists, Roman Catholics and Protestants. This could be controversial. We'll want you to call in later on in the program. Let's listen to what Luther said. What did Calvin say? What did Spurgeon say about Catholicism? What are we doing and saying today? Uh, What do we have in common as evangelicals and Catholics, uh, what are the distinctions? Let's talk about it. But first of all, let's, um, let's talk about church. I have one of the great pastors in the United States here in the studio with me today, Dr. Steve Gaines. He's pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He holds the Ph.D. degree from Southwestern Seminary right here in Texas, our sister seminary in Fort Worth. And uh, he has written a book, When God Comes to church. Welcome, Steve, to the program. Thank you, Jerry. Glad to be here. Hey, let's talk about uh, church. Let's talk about preaching. Let's talk about revival. Let's talk about reaching a city for Jesus Christ. Amen. And I know you've been about all of these things in the last few years. You preached in chapel here yesterday. It was a great time. Students really enjoyed that. You preached on preaching. And actually, I want to talk about that for a moment because I think it connects to the the other two topics. Let's talk about the importance today 
of preaching. We've got a lot of laymen out there driving home right now, uh, folks still at work. Um, they're Christians. They love God. But something is missing in their church, and they're frustrated maybe. There's some pastors out there listening today, and um, they're burned out. Uh, they don't know what church growth uh, trick to try, what fad to follow. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, yesterday you said some things in our chapel about preaching, the importance of preaching. Would you just talk about that in terms of church history, in terms of your own ministry, biblically, the importance, the recovery of preaching for the church? I'd be glad to. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Second Timothy Chapter 4, Paul is writing his last words before he dies. And I personally believe he died not long after he penned these, written obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his favorite preacher boy. I like to call him preacher boy still. You know, I guess I'm old-fashioned. but (laughs) Timothy. Young preacher, Timothy. And I like that because Timothy was about 40 when this was written, so I like to call him real young, you know. But uh, he told him, I charge you, and he says, I solemnly charge you, Proclaim the message, preach the word. And uh, that is what we're supposed to do. And then he says, because the time will come when people, they, will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. Mm. And, Brother Jerry, that's where we are. I mean, we live in a world that is so focused on, you know, they're kind of like the people I talked about in chapel yesterday when, when Jeremiah was giving them the Word of God. They said, we don't want to hear that. We, we do not want to hear what the Scripture says. We don't have, really want to hear what God says. Just give us soft uh, platitudes, as somebody said, you know, give us sermonettes to Christianettes. Wow. You know? And uh, don't, don't give us uh, the real Word. But the Word of God is what changes people's lives. You know, I believe that when God breathed the breath of life into Adam in Genesis 2, that it was literally a life, obviously a life impartation. And the Bible says in Second Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed. When we have Scripture breathed into us, it takes the life of God and supernaturally implants it into our hearts. And so I believe that what the, the desperate need in our pulpits today is for men and women, Men and women who have come and say, say, is there a word from God? Mm. They need to be able to, to hear the word of God when they come from our mm. pulpits. And uh, I think that uh, there's nothing in America that cannot be transformed if our pulpits are transformed. I, I just believe that's where it's going to take place. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. Steve Gaines. He holds the Ph.D. in preaching from Southwestern Seminary. He is also pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And we're really talking right now about the importance of preaching. In fact, if you want to call and ask a question, the number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270, a question about preachers or preaching. You know, Dr. Gaines, you mentioned yesterday, and I've heard this, uh, preaching used to be a positive People used to say, I'm going to preaching. Instead right. of going to church, I'm going to preaching. Uh, but preaching has become negative in the pop culture today. And you'll see this on a sitcom, or people might be hearing this where they work or in their home. If someone critiques them or offers advice or gives them a rebuke, they actually say, don't preach to me. The argument's over at that point because everybody knows preaching is negative today in the culture. Well, it really shouldn't be from the Christian worldview. Preaching is a great thing. It's a noble thing. You've got a degree in preaching. You've spent your life preaching. Could we just back up for a minute and uh, 
maybe talk to the folks out there about what preaching is and what it isn't. What is biblical preaching? Well, the old definition is uh, truth through personality, and Mm -hmm. the truth uh, that comes from Phillips Brooks, obviously. And he was a great preacher of the Word of God. But the truth is the Scripture. And nowadays, one of the reasons you have people who say, and they do say all the time, don't preach to me, is because they are anti uh, authority. We've all seen the bumper sticker that says question authority. Yes. And, and authority is seen nowadays in such a negative way. If you look up uh, the word authority and you try to get a thesaurus nowadays, it will say narrow-mindedness and all this kind of thing. Authority, though, is a very good word, and God is the ultimate authority. But we live in a day that that is uh, has a, a real spirit of rebellion. And, you know, Samuel said in the Old Testament that the spirit of rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It is, it's like uh, casting a spell that ushers in a, a foothold for the enemy. And, and I believe that we need to uh, understand authority appropriately. It doesn't mean that somebody is to be a dictator, but whether it's a governmental official or a school official, I know uh, schools nowadays are in such a state of chaos because there's no authority. I think that there has to be authority. I think we as Christians should obey the laws of the land. I drive the speed limit. I'm not a legalist, I'm a, I, but I am a law-abiding citizen. And I do that because if I won't submit to the things God wants me to submit to, then I'll never be able to be over the things God want me, wants me to be over. And I believe whether it's parental authority or in the marriage authority or in the church, whatever it might be, and we have to all submit to the Word of God. And so we have to submit to the God of the Word as well. And, and when we say, don't preach to me, basically that is a cry saying, don't tell me what to do. I will live my life my way. It's kind of like when God came to, to uh, uh, Cain and he said, where's your brother? He said, I don't know, my, br- my br- brother's keeper. A smart aleck answer, you know, from a guy who had just killed his brother was still had blood on his hands. And we don't want God telling us what to do. We basically want to do our own thing. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So thus saith the Lord, that's preaching. People don't want to hear that. Um, Let's talk about the authority in preaching. What is the authority in preaching? If 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 you're in that pulpit or just talking to someone about the Lord, what is the basis of that authority? Because obviously, I mean, a Muslim imam is going to say, well, I've got authority. Right. But let's talk about the basis of that authority. Well, Fred Craddock wrote a book years ago, and I did not like the title of it then. I don't like it now, as (laughs) one without authority. Uh, And he's talking about preachers don't really have the authority, you know, yada, yada. I don't agree with Fred Craddock. I think it was a bad book then. It's a bad (laughs) book now. And if he's listening, he ought to change the book. But anyway... Uh, I believe with all of my heart that we do have authority, Mm. and the authority is the Word of God. Mm. Uh, We are not the authority, but God is, and we are just the messengers. You know, I'm I'm looking right now at at your Bible here, and it says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom, that is worldly wisdom, did not come to know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Mm. Paul said in Romans 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the euangelion, the good news, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first, also to the Greeks. And so the power is in the word of God. The, the, what changes people's lives is when they come and they hear a man of God. I like what the country preacher said. He said, I, I read myself full, pray myself hot, and turn myself loose. And that's what good preaching is. It's based on the word of God. He has read, he has studied 
to show himself approved unto God. He might be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. He's really spent time with the Lord. He's prayed. He's got a pure heart. And he gets up and delivers a message that God gave to him. He literally impregnated him, if you will, with the seed of the word of God. There's that period of study and gestation. And he literally gives birth. He delivers a sermon. Brother, when that happens, people's lives are changed. And suddenly, uh, the man of God is the man, as John Stott says in his book, Between Two Worlds. Mm-hmm. He's standing between the biblical world and this modern world, taking a never-changing gospel to an ever-changing mm-hmm. culture, and he's doing it uh, as that medium. Again, again, truth through personality. God uses people, and he uses different personalities, but it's always to communicate his word. Again, you're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Dr. Steve Gaines, he's pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, holds the Ph.D. in preaching. Dr. Gaines, you've written this book, When God Comes to Church. I want to talk about it later, okay. and I want to talk about revival and renewal, but I want to link right now okay. on preaching and revival and renewal. You've talked about change. I mean, Jeremiah says, Is not my word like a, a mm. fire, yeah. a hammer that breaks the rock yeah. into pieces? People are looking for a breakthrough today. They go to church, and uh, if we give them methods and programs, we've heard the Willow Creek Confession this last year, and uh, you talked yesterday about the link between preaching and uh, great movements of God in church history. Would you lay some of that on us? Well, sure. And you know what what you just said is so good. Jeremiah, you're quoting Jeremiah, one of my favorite guys in the Old Testament. Jeremiah said uh, these people were saying, you know, I have dreams. And, you know, we're hearing a lot about that nowadays. You know, know, I'm I'm having these visions and dreams and all that. And uh, I'm not saying that that never happened in the Bible. I am saying what Jeremiah said. He said, "Let let the prophet who has a dream relate his dream. But let him who has my word speak my word in truth. Is not my word like fire and like a hammer? Yeah. So he uses three analogies, grain instead of, uh, uh, you know, just the, the junk that, that they come up with. Or it can be fire or it can be a hammer. And I believe wherever there is great preaching, there will be great revival. And wherever there's great revival, there's going to be great preaching. I think they go hand in hand. All right, folks, we'll be right back. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Dr. Steve Gaines. The number is 800-881-9270. If you have a question about revival, a question about preaching, a question about a church reaching a great city, we're going to talk about that later. How can your church reach your town, your county, your city? Dr. Gaines, I think, has a vision on how to do that. He'll share it with you when we come back. The Bible says in Hebrews... The Word of God is living, it's quick, it's active, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can change your life. We need to hear good preaching, good teaching. We'll be right back. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event this Friday night at 7.30. We'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. Friday night, April 18th. It's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, April 18th, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur. And you, our faithful Criswell Communications family. 
Why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. This Friday night at 7.30, a free gift from our family to yours on CRN. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Folks, what would it look like if we were going to have revival? Would it mean that we have greater budgets, more programs, somewhat bigger buildings? Or is it really about preaching, prayer, repentance? My guest is Dr. Steve Gaines. He's written the book, When God Comes to Church. He is the pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Spent a good deal of time right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Holds the Ph.D. in preaching from Southwestern Seminary over in Fort Worth. Welcome back, Steve. Steve, let me ask you about this theme. It's the title of your book, When God Comes to Church. I think a lot of people feel like they're going to church but God's not there. Maybe God isn't there because there's not good preaching. You know, you wouldn't talk about preaching. But uh, people hunger and thirst. I think of the psalmist said, My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Right. And, um, you know, uh, Pascal said, We've got that God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. So people are hungry. They're thirsting. Right. They want God. But unfortunately, they go to church. They don't feel like God is there. What's what's the key to recovering that? I think the, the best definition I could give of revival would be when the glory of God fills the house of God. And that's individually our bodies are the spirit, the temple of the living God. You know, God does not dwell in buildings made by human hands but in redeemed humanity. And then I think when we come together corporately, you know, the, the plural pronouns are used in 1 Corinthians 3.16 when it says you're, you are a temple of the Spirit of God. When we come together and we worship God, somehow in some way when two or three have gathered together in his name, there he is in our midst. But the psalmist said in Psalm 16, verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, oh, that you would rend the skies and come down to be with your people. And I know that that's Old Testament theology. At the same time, there's something about the manifest presence of God in a corporate worship service. Uh, and, you know, you don't have to ask if the Lord is there. You know it. And I think that far too much of our emphasis, Brother Jerry, today is man-centered and man-oriented and horizontal rather than God-centered and, and, and vertical. I think that uh, we have become so enamored with church growth Church growth, though, is to me a byproduct of revival. It is not the the thing oh. that we seek. It is it is an right. It is something that is an effect. I think, with all of my heart, and this is the theme of my book, that the main thing we are to do we are not to develop worship services primarily to attract people. We are to develop worship services to attract the manifest presence of God, and He will attract the people. Jesus said in. John 12, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. I know that's talking about the death that he would die, but I also think it means if we will glorify him. You know, God says in Isaiah, he says, I will share my glory with no man. And, and I've, I've been thinking a lot about that in the last month or two. That's a gracious thing because God is the only one who can handle his glory. His glory would burn me, you, anybody up. We, we can't handle the glory of God, and we don't need the glory of God. But we are to, to not try to take any of that glory 
and being man-centered. And I think really there's a lot of people that are really tired of all the gimmicks and all the, the, the new programs and all this stuff. You know, my preaching profs and different ones over at Southwestern Seminary said if, if they leave your church saying, boy, what a choir, boy, what a, a preacher, boy, what a sermon, you've failed. But if they leave saying, hallelujah, what a savior, you have hit the nail on the head. It's all about him. And we've got to get vertical again as worship leaders and as, as pastors. We've got to lead people to the Lord. There's one person in the audience, if you will, when we come to church, and it is not us. It is Jesus Christ. Is he pleased with our worship? And we have to worship him, what, what? in spirit and in truth. Those are the guidelines under Jesus. That's John four twenty three and 24 uh, in, in, in the New Testament. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to worship him and go after him, if you will, and seek him and, and love him and honor him and love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think that what, when we do that, the psalmist says in Psalm 22, he encamps himself upon our praises. He literally comes to be in our midst. He is seeking, Jesus said, for such people the Father is seeking to be his worshipers. I don't want him to have to seek past 2000 Appling Road in Cordova, Tennessee at Bellevue Baptist Church. I want him to have people whose hearts are going out to him, and he comes to be with us, in us, and so that when they, when people, whether they're lost or saved, whoever, they, and that's the only kind of people there are, when they come in, when they leave, they say, not, wow, what a building, or wow, what a program, or boy, what a preacher, or wow, what a sermon, or how relevant that was. What, wasn't it, didn't they have some cool kiosks out in the forest? No, <laughs> no, a thousand times no. Mm-hmm. What they leave is saying, God is in that place. Mm-hmm. God is in that place. And when they leave, then, then all of a sudden you don't have to come up with every little dog and pony show to attract them. I'm not saying you shouldn't have special events. I am saying, though, we are relying on the mm-hmm. arm of flesh, mm-hmm. not upon the power of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm wanting. To, I, I want to see the glory of God fill the house of God again. Vance Havner used to say, we never had so much in the church, no, so much air conditioning, so much carpet, so many Christian bookstores and pencils and tapes, but we've never had so little of the power of God. That's exactly right. Encounter with God. Folks, you can call 800-881-9270. Our guest, Dr. Steve Gaines. He's pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, Memphis, Tennessee. He's written a book, When God comes to church. We're talking about preaching. We're also talking about revival and renewal, the presence of God in your church. We're also going to be talking in a few minutes about how to reach your city, how to reach Dallas, how to reach Fort Worth, how to reach Oklahoma City, how to reach Wichita Falls, your church, how you can reach your town. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The number 800-881-9270. You know, a famous theologian once said, you don't say God by shouting, Man, real loud. And I think you're on to something there, uh, the God focus. Um, I'm thinking about the music as well. Uh, certainly if you preach the Bible, you're going to be preaching about God. But uh, don't you think we need to get back to songs? I'm not talking about the style now. Right, right. right. But that songs that are about God or to God Songs that are about Jesus or to Jesus. My music man used to ask me, what do you want? I said, well, I want something about God or about Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I feel the people need to be either singing about God or to God, about Jesus or to Jesus. You know, the, the author of the first hymnal was God himself. It's called the Book of Psalms. And mm-hmm. interestingly, what he did, Jerry, is uh, he, he kept the text, but he, he removed the accompaniment so that every generation, hmm. the way you sing a new song is not coming up necessarily with a new text because, God, you know, the Psalms are, are there. I think that's not the only thing we're to sing. But 
God took away the accompaniment so that every generation could have a new tune with the same text. Mm. And I believe that the text is what's the most important thing. And I think you're exactly right. I think that those those uh, songs should be geared toward the Lord. You know, I love the song, for instance, that was written by the folks in Australia about shout to the Lord, you know. Mm. And But it starts off, my Jesus, my Savior, there is no one like you. And it's it's a it's a love song to the Lord, which is what worship is. And then, I, but I, I love the great old hymns. I love the old rugged cross. I love all of those. Uh, but I, I think that as many of our songs as we can gear toward uh, the Lord Himself, we're we're in good shape. Mm. Music take, plays a big role, though, in worship nowadays. Well, it does. Of course, there is a theology of that in the Old Testament. God inhabits the praise of his people. We Psalm enter into 22. his courts, right. his gates, with his gates and courts with thanksgiving, Psalm with praise. Right. I think that's very important. So music and preaching, not music or preaching. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Dr. Steve Gaines. Dr. Gaines, let's uh, just begin to tease the next segment a little bit and talk about reaching a city. Because obviously, we've been talking about preaching and the church experience. That's assuming, though, people are coming to hear you preach. It's assuming that people are coming to the church. Now let's talk about reaching out and reaching the city. And I know living here in Dallas, it seems almost impossible, the task of reaching the people. And uh, talk to us about what God has put on your heart for Memphis, where you live. Well, we... We've come to believe that a church is not a fraternity just for people like us. It's not a country club just for the privilege, and it's not a fortress to hide from the world. That's big because a lot of people treat church that way. Church is not a building, by the way. It's redeemed humanity. But when the church assembles, it is not there to be a fortress to pull the moat up and say, okay, let's have a holy huddle and uh, forget all these people out here with these needs and these lost people and all these other folks, these people who are not like us. Well, the Bible does say, you say, come and be out from among and be separate. But it also says be salt and light and be the light of the world. So we believe that a church is a hospital. Uh, You know, a hospital has an emergency room. And as the people in Texas know, hospitals are supposed to take anyone and everyone at any time. Then after they get healed, it is a school. It is a place where they're educated. And then it's an army barracks uh, where we train them to be soldiers of the cross to send them out to be ministers. And what we're doing in Memphis is... You know, we're in a city that is, uh, has, a lot, has had a history of racial tension and things, but uh, we are turning that, by the grace of God, into an opportunity to minister. We've started. I want to ask you about the details of that. We're going to do that in the next segment. We're almost out of time, All but right. I've got a couple of callers, okay. and let's get them in here real quick. Ricky Great. from Roanoke. Ricky, what's your question? What's your comment? Yes, thank you, uh, guys. I really appreciate you taking my call. I'm a church planter in Roanoke, Texas, and uh, I'm just so excited about what I'm hearing you say because this is this is really the cry of our heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you guys almost sound like a couple of Pentecostals or Charismatics. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just wonderful to hear that uh, you know this this idea is coming back to every denomination. And um, you know, I see it in my denomination where where it's so easy to depend on on uh, the programs and and on the stuff. And so my question, I guess, is how do you, Dr. Steve, how do you keep your people, especially your uh, staff and, and your volunteers and, and the believers in your congregation, vertically focused where they don't get caught up? Because obviously you've got to have buildings. I mean, those things come and the neat stuff comes, but 
But how do you keep them focused on the vertical? All right, Ricky, we're going to take that question. We're up on the break here, and we're going to hold that thought, that question. we got another caller, Juanita on. I hope, Juanita, you'll hold. We'll get to you in due time. Just hold. This is that song we were talking about a moment Amen. ago. Shout to the Lord. It is all about God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are saved. I don't know what your need is today, but God is the answer. Well, I could just listen to that song, but uh, we're here talking today. We're talking about worship. We're talking about the power of God, the presence of God in your church, preaching an essential, and then focusing on God, songs about God, the presence of God. Our guest, Dr. Steve Gaines, he's pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, a leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. And we just took a question, Dr. Gaines. Uh, from old Ricky, who said he's planning a church, and he had a question, and that was this. How do you keep your people vertically focused, God-focused, instead of horizontal, all the stuff? Well, I would say to anyone, Ricky, that the way you do that is, first of all, the leader has to do that. As the pastor, I have to stay focused on Jesus Christ. I can't be focused on me or my ministry. I have to die to myself every day. I have to live in the Word of God. I have to spend time in prayer. I have to keep a viable connection between me and the Lord and to really love Him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And ways to do that, you know, practicing the spiritual disciplines. You know, the Bible says uh, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It's not just so you'll accomplish more, but for the purpose of godliness. And so spending a lot of time in the world, I would encourage every pastor out there to at least a bare minimum read the Word of God through once a year. And I think that they should do more than that. But I think then uh, they should study for their own sermons and not preach other people's sermons. I believe that's, Amen. I, I believe that's like trying to offer, uh, you know, offer the Lord something that costs you nothing. Mm. And I believe that, that that makes parrot preachers and pygmy uh, parishioners. You know, I think mm. that with all my heart we need to have our own sermons. Mm. But I, I just think, man, in the worship services, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to just pu- push my book, but in my book I talk about how to have a – a God-focused worship service, and when God comes to church, it's put out by Broadman Holman. And uh, I have chapters in there about enemies to revival, and I talk about formalism, fanaticism, which is the other extreme, legalism, and then the other extreme, liberalism, and then traditionalism, that thing we've never done it this way before. I talk about the fact that, you know, we have had six uh, revivals in America starting back at the uh, turn of the, or at the Revolutionary War, you know, the Great Awakening, and the last wholesale, if you will, broad movement of God was the Jesus movement in the latter 60s, the early 70s, when God was moving tremendously throughout this nation. And, and, and the kind of music we just heard from, uh, you know, uh, Hillsong and those other things, all, all that stuff started really out of the Jesus movement, more, more worship music that was more God-focused and things. And then, uh, you know, youth ministry, all that came in. But we need a fresh movement of God. My, my professor of evangelism, Dr. Roy Fish in Southwestern Seminary, 
used to tell us, he said, guys, the tide has been in, but the tide is out, but it's time for the tide of revival to be back in. So that's what I'm praying for. But it really takes the leader focusing those worship services, not on himself, but on the Lord Jesus. And and, and there's there's a lot of ways to do that, but I, I, we don't have a lot of time, but I would encourage you to pick up that book. It tells you specifically ways that you can do it, beginning with prayer, not having a lot of announcements in the church services, not having a lot of introductions of people, not focusing on people that much. You know, what does it matter who's going to pray? Just let the guy get up there and pray, you know. <laughs> Why yes. do you have to give some long introduction about some speaker? Just tell him, you know, this is so-and-so from Arkansas. He's going to preach the Word of God. Pray for him, you know. Just little things like that where you really get the focus off of man and on to God. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Dr. Steve Gaines. He's written the book, When God Comes to Church. We've got another caller on the line. Juanita, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. Hello, Dr. Gaines. How Hello. are you? How are you, Juanita? I'm wonderful. I thank you so much. Uh, it's not a question. It's so much as a comment. All right. I was one of those kind of um, people that just went to church, and everything that you talked about, that's exactly what I heard. We, bo- we boasted the pastor. We boasted up the people, the choir. We sung songs to make the people feel good, and, and it wasn't about God. It wasn't about the glory of God. Then you'll leave, we left out of the church, and I was one of those people that left out of the church going, oh, the Spirit of God was high, but then I left out of the church the same way I came in with hatred in my heart, and it was, it was so sad. There was no stability. There was no leadership, and, and it was sad, and, there, and God was not in it, but now I'm in a place now where... Oh, God, God's love dwells in the church. Uh, the songs mean something. Um, I wish we would just get back to that old-time religion where we sung Amazing Grace and Precious Lord. Those songs meant so much. And we don't have that in the churches today. We take God out of so much. And it's so sad. It's so sad. Now, praise and worship, it's not even praise and worship. And nobody understands the true meaning of praise and worship. All right, Juanita, this is uh, this is exactly, I think, what Dr. Gaines is talking about. Your reaction, Dr. Gaines? Well, I would say, you know, there was a day, and, and I do appreciate, I really do, I was raised on the great hymns of the faith. And I thank God for Amazing Grace and Precious Lord and all those great old songs. But, you know, the Bible does say in Colossians 3.16 that we are to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I, I I don't think we need to throw out the baby with the bathwater here. I, I think that uh, definitely all worship can be uh, needs to be God focused, but we don't need to worship styles of worship. And there was a day, believe it or not, when John Newton came out with Amazing Grace. And to be frank with you, it was not that big of a hit in uh, England when it first came <laughs> right. out. And uh, I know that's hard for us to imagine. That's the Baptist national anthem, but. Uh, it really did not get uh, a lot of notoriety in England at all in the only hymn book which it was written with, uh, in, put in originally published. But in America is where it became popular, and then later on, Amazing Grace. But but be that as it may, I think that um, whatever the style is, I think it, God can use uh, a more upbeat. Uh, the beat is not that important, I don't think. I think that what matters is, is it truly music that is theologically correct, biblically sound, and Christ-centered? If that's the case, it's going to warm somebody's heart. We've got Casey on the line from Plano. Casey, you're on the air with Dr. Steve Gaines. Hello. um, I have a question because 
in the, I think in the past um, 30 years or so that the definition of Christian has changed because you meet a lot of people who say they are Christian, but they may be of a different uh, faith that believes that all roads lead to God. And I, I want to know how the church is addressing that. Well, I can tell you how I'm addressing it. Uh, the, Jesus said in John 14, 7, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, to me, that's as basic as it gets. And if he is who he says he is, he is the only way. He's not just the best way. He's the only way to God. And then Paul picked up on that in 1 Timothy 2, 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, not the Pope, not the priest, not the preacher, but Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and mankind. Peter said the same thing in Acts 4.12. He said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So the definition of being a Christian has not changed in the last 2,000 years. It is someone who has repented of their sins, surrendered their life in humility and, and in faith, and they have received the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him alone for their salvation. That is a Christian. There is no other way. Uh, you have to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by being Jewish that you're saved. It's not by being a Muslim that you're saved. It's not by being a Baptist that you're saved. It is by knowing Jesus Christ personally. That's how a person is saved. The good news of the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. He was seen by hundreds of people. Do you believe that Christ died for your sins on that cross? Would you take Christ as Savior? Would you believe today? Would you call upon the name of the Lord? You ought to do that if you're driving in your car or just sitting at work, wherever you might be. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Gaines. All right, let's get back to Memphis, and Bellevue loves Memphis, because I think there are a lot of Christians out there, and they're really struggling. Is my church making a difference in my community? How? So you mentioned your church is in Memphis, and y'all have a heart to reach the city. This is going to surprise some folks. What are you doing? Well, when I when I went to Memphis, it's it startled me how many people in Memphis talked negatively about Memphis. And it was just all over the place, even in the church. You know, well, Memphis this, the Memphis that, and, you know, and we've got this problem, we've got that problem. And um, I was uh, reading one day in Jeremiah. I keep talking about Jeremiah. People may think that's the only book of the Bible I read, but I, I love him. My life's verse is out of uh, verses 9 through 11. I know the plans that I have for you, right. plans for it's welfare beautiful. and not for calamity and all that. But verse 7 is interesting. In verse, uh, I said 9 through 11, it's verses 11 and following. But anyway, in verse 7, he says, Seek the welfare. Jeremiah is writing to the people uh, who have been exiled, exiled into Babylonian captivity. And they're saying, what do we do? He's saying, build your houses, stay there, you're going to be there for 70 years. And then he says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, Babylon now, you're going to have welfare. I start thinking, you know, if they can pray for Babylon, I can pray for Memphis, Tennessee. And so I went back to our staff and I said, guys, it's time to, you know, and, and I'm not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it guy, but I am saying, you know, I know that with children, for instance, if you talk negatively all the time, it does affect them. What comes out of our mouth affects uh, what's going on. And so I said, we need to start talking good about Memphis, and we need to start blessing this city, and we need to get a vision for loving Memphis. And out of that, a ministry called Bellevue Loves Memphis 
Memphis came out, and it is exciting. It is taking our city by storm. All right, we're going to hear about some of the projects, some of the things you're doing, and how you're showing that love for Memphis. Amen. And it'll really help folks, I think, here in Dallas and Fort Worth. So. And uh, down in San Angelo, you're in church, you want to love your city, you want to bless your city, stay tuned. We're going to talk about how to do it when we come back. Also, a brief word on Catholicism and evangelical Christianity. What are the similarities? What are the differences? We'll be right back. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event this Friday night at 7.30. We'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. Friday night, April 18th. It's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, April 18th, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur. And you, our faithful Criswell Communications family. Why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. This Friday night at 7.30, a free gift from our family to yours on CRN. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Our guest today, Dr. Steve Gaines, he's written the book, When God Comes to Church. He's pastor of one of the leading churches in the nation, Bellevue Baptist Church, Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. Gaines, welcome back. You've been talking about um, something that I think every pastor, deacon, layman, Christian you know, it's a, it's a haunting thought they have about their church and their city. They know they're coming to church on Sunday to be blessed, but they're not sure their church is really making a difference in that community. And I know Jesus said we're to be salt, we're to be light, and we know that our church ought to be blessing the community. You told us about Bellevue Loves Memphis, a plan to talk up the city, bless the city, Tell us how you're doing it. What are you doing? Well, interestingly, when I rolled out that uh, concept, Bellevue Loves Memphis, I was in a deacon, uh, not a deacon's meeting, it was a group of deacons meeting together with some of our key leadership, and they laughed. One of them laughed and said, nobody loves Memphis. I, I said, well, Jesus does. And I said, we do too, as of now. <laughs> That's good. And it's not like Bellevue has not ever done anything for Memphis. I sure don't want to give that uh uh, idea because Dr. Rogers and all the folks before me, you know, led the church to reach out to Memphis. But what I am saying is, I go back to my analogy a while ago, a church is not a fortress in which we're supposed to hide from the city. I think that what we're supposed to do is to go out and be salt and light. You know, on 9-11, those brave heroes that we admire so much were the ones running back into the falling debris, not the ones running out. And I do believe that we are letting our cities, we're just really letting them self-implode because we're running from the cities. And so what we're doing is we're starting ministries. Uh, We've started a ministry, Bellevue Loves Memphis. We're connecting with the inner city schools. We're connecting with the church government or the uh, city governments and all. I'll be meeting this week with the county uh, mayor. And we're we're helping with things like summer job programs, uh, ministries like the ones that are alluded to, 
that will be asked about at the final judgment in Matthew 25, where it talks about, you know, I was hungry and you, you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me, and on, all, on and on. We're going to help. Uh, we, we sent out, uh, Jerry, back in January on one Saturday, about 500 people. We had 15 or so uh, projects, mission projects in the town. And we have uh, guys that have worked in disaster relief teams down on the Gulf Coast after Katrina. We went in with our our equipment and our workers and our volunteers, lay volunteers, and we did all kinds of projects. We helped uh, rebuild football fields in some of the inner city schools that are dilapidated. We helped paint teachers' lounges. Uh, I know that Jack Graham at Prestonwood, they've done some of that. And that's one of the ideas I got this from, uh, particularly the teachers' lounges. And then also we did other things like help uh, some African-American churches. My wife and my daughter went in. Uh, they painted the restrooms in there. And uh, and then also put in uh, our men put in in that particular church a uh, hot water heater so they could baptize. Man, the, the, mm. the, just, just those kind of things alone are doing so much to bring about beginnings of racial reconciliation. It just sends out uh, mega waves all throughout the city. Well, this Saturday, we're sending out over 1,000 people to 25 of these projects. We, we're getting wow. calls like crazy, and, and what we do is we go in, and when we have the opportunity, we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. We've adopted a school there uh, that is has a large Hispanic uh, population. What about the so-called separation of church and state? Well, we, we abide by the law. You know, we're not <laughs> going to go in, 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 in and try to, you know, cram anything down. But this opens doors. It opens it doors. Really That's the deal. It opens yeah. doors. You know, and this is where we are as a church, you know. The world, in a lot of places, they don't know if they should trust the church or not because they look on the television, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but they see some things that, you know, is that real or not? Mm. And and then, they you know, they hear about this scandal, that scandal, whatever, and whether it's in government, wherever, and that's one of the reasons people are saying don't trust authority. But the bottom line is we've got to learn to find a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it, yes. and earn the right to share the gospel with people. We've got to wash feet, and then we can tell them about Jesus Christ. And if we'll do that, no church is too small or too big to do this. If we'll get a mentality of a missionary and and not feel like we have to go overseas. You know, I went dove hunting back in the fall way down in Mississippi. I like that. I was telling these guys, you know, we're going, we're passing a lot of birds, you know, to kill a few birds. And that's what we do in our churches. We'll get on an airplane and we'll fly to Venezuela, and there's nothing wrong with that, or Russia, wherever. But right here, Dallas is a mission field. Memphis is a mission field. And if we'll quit saying, oh, Lord, give me a burden for Memphis. No, give me a love for Memphis, Lord. And that will turn into a practical ministry. Love is not a noun. It's a verb. It's something you do. Don't just love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Get out there and serve people. Service evangelism is what I call it, where you get out and you meet a need. You find a need and meet it. You find a hurt and heal it. And then, you know, we've got little things like we're going into to waiting rooms of hospitals and asking people, can we pray for you? And we're going to, you know, people need prayer in waiting rooms. And we're leading people to Christ in waiting rooms all over Memphis wow. uh, throughout the city. We're starting this whole branch into uh, taking uh, things like this uh, DVD project, the Truth Project, that uh, focuses on the families. But uh, we're starting our. We've got a lot of businessmen want to do that at work. But we're we're gonna we're gonna this Bellevue Loves Memphis thing is gonna penetrate the society where we're not just inviting them to come to our place. We're taking the gospel to them because Jesus didn't say come in here so much. He said go and tell. Hmm. People do not care how much you know until they, they know, know how, how much, much you, you care. care. That's exactly That's right. true. Dr. Steve Gaines is our guest today. He is pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church, Memphis, Tennessee. He's written the book, When God Comes to Church. And, folks, what we're going to do is talk about the Pope 
and Catholicism and evangelical Christianity, maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday. You stay tuned. Don't miss John MacArthur on Friday. I'm going to have him, and we're going to talk right before that big radio rally out at Crossroads Christian Church. But Dr. Gaines, we've got about a minute and a half, two minutes yet here. Folks driving in their car, listening at home, still at work, and we've talked about what it means to be a Christian. Would you just share? Absolutely how they can come to know Jesus Christ. First of all, realize that God loves you with an everlasting love, but you have a problem. It's called sin. And sin is breaking the laws of God. That's how it's defined in 1 John. And the wages are the just penalty of sin is death. Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth shall die. And God loves us too much to leave us in that predicament. So he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. I'll be preaching about that, John three sixteen this Sunday at Bellevue. But the Bible says that God the Father in 2 Corinthians 5.21 made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. That means that Jesus bore our sin debt. He is our atoning sacrifice. He shed his blood so that we could be saved. And if you will repent of your sin, that means to turn from sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you will then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him, you can be saved. And I'd like to ask you to do that right now. If you'd like to receive Christ, pray this with me right where you are and just ask the Lord to come in your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. I am a sinner. Thank you for dying for my sins. I repent of my sins. I call on your name. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming in. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Steve Gaines, thank you very much. And folks, if you prayed that prayer, send me an email, talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com, talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. But I want to encourage you because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the real deal. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Join us tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.